Dal Phillips was a 57-year-old from Helenwood, Tennessee. He was a pastor and enjoyed going for walks near his house. On December 5, 2012, he was at home when his wife and her mother went to run some errands. Ninety minutes later, his wife came home, but Dal was gone. He was never seen again. I'm Ed Densel, and this is Unfound. did any pre-studying for this episode, and I know how much you listeners love to do that, and I certainly support you taking an interest in a case before Unfound covers it, you discovered that this case isn't on the Charlie Project. It's not in the NamUs database. There aren't many news articles, and there were only two pictures of Dow that I could find. In fact, this has to be one of the least known disappearances Unfound has ever covered. And you know how much I enjoy bringing these kinds of cases to you, because these victims need to be featured as much as all the others. Because Dal Phillips was a good guy, living his life the right way, caring for those people around him, and doing so while fighting through problems of his own. And that's what's most important. But from a quote-unquote compelling case point of view, this disappearance has those elements as well. A shady uncle mysterious text messages, an unreliable witness, and an unidentified van. Everything that I hope moves this case from the unknown and into the known. And now a summary of the case. Dow lived with his wife Missy and their daughter in Helenwood, Tennessee. He was the pastor of a small local church, but had passed many of the duties on to the assistant pastor in recent years. Back in 2007, Dowd lost his regular job unexpectedly and had to go on disability due to a breakdown he had as a result. But he continued to be a faithful husband, great father, and caring leader for the church. Dow loved to take walks, and his wife thought December 5, 2012 would be no different than any other day. She would take her mother home, and he would go for his walk near Helenwood Detour Road, and they would meet back up in a couple hours. Yet this didn't happen. When she left, Dow was there. When Missy returned, he was gone. She waited for a couple hours, then alerted the police. They did searches for the next week, but Dow was never seen again. In the days and weeks leading up to Dow's disappearance, he had made some unusual comments about living in the woods, but he also had to withstand a takeover of his church by a shady family member. In addition, A man working down the road from the Phillips residence made inconsistent statements about seeing Dow the day he disappeared. And there was also a van in Dow's driveway the day he disappeared that has never been identified. Dow's family is not sure what happened, but they are almost 100% certain that he is not in the area surrounding their home and that he wouldn't have walked away from his wife and daughter. The case remains unsolved. The interview for this episode is with Dow's wife, Missy Phillips. Unfound news. Yesterday, I attended Florida's Missing Children's Day. 
a very emotional time. One of the most emotional experiences I've had in many years. Many police officers and private citizens were given awards for their bravery and work keeping children safe during 2017. Then 12 victims were recognized and their families honored. All of the cases are still unsolved. Peggy and Patty McDaniel, a case we covered on Unfound, were among those children remembered. I got to meet their mother Joyce for the first time. She is even more wonderful in person than she is on the phone. One of the other victims recognized was Trenton Duckett. If that name doesn't ring a bell, his mother Melinda appeared on Nancy Grace over 10 years ago with Nancy hounding her relentlessly. The next day, Melinda allegedly committed suicide. Nancy was successfully sued a few years later. Trenton's father, Josh, was at the ceremony yesterday. Next, as I mentioned on the Facebook Live show last week, the December 6th show, I've been approached by a TV executive about producing a fictional police procedural. Yes, something like Law and Order or NYPD Blue, in contrast to a nonfiction program like Disappeared. Most times these things don't get out of the talking stage. Show business is very difficult. But I'm hopeful, and I'd love the chance to show investigations of missing persons cases in the proper light. Finally, last week there was some digging going on near where Teresa Butler disappeared back in 2006. At this point, I've gotten no word if anything has been found. Also, former guest Robin Wells Burton has been in Los Angeles this week going on a tip that someone found her mother. I will keep you apprised of what's going on there, but I will not reveal anything unless it's already in the public domain. Where you can find Unfound. Unfound is on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, iTunes, Podomatic, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Podbean, and Overcast. Unfound is now also on Spotify. Really excited about that. You can email the program, unfoundpodcast at gmail.com. The website, unfoundpodcast.com. Please check out the secret Stephen Kocher episode. And now, if you click on the merchandise button on the website, it will show you the links to both the books on Amazon and the playing cards at makeplayingcards.com. Please check those out. Unfound is also on Patreon. You can start contributing to Unfound for as low as $2 a month. Unfound also has a PayPal account. And please mention Unfound on all the True Crime Facebook pages and other websites and forums. Thank you. So happy to have on this episode of Unfound the wife of Dal Phillips, Missy Phillips. Missy, welcome to Unfound. Thank you. Tell the listeners a little bit about your husband, Dal. Maybe we should start out with this. How did you two meet? Uh, met at a friend's house. Um, we took and we was friends for a while, and then um, we ended up getting together and dated for about about two years. And then we ended up getting married, and um, he's he's very outgoing. Loves the Lord. Um, loves uh, fishing. Uh, most of all, he loves helping people. Um, just, you know, as long as it's uh, something right, you know, he don't care. You know, he won't do nothing that's in the wrong. Yeah. And that was what attracted to him, just him being a really good guy, just being a solid guy. Well, 
Yeah, I mean, I guess we had a lot in common because, you know, I I went to church, he went to church, uh, he helped people, and and then I would help people, you know, and uh-huh. stuff like that. So, you know. Mm-hmm. And what year and then, did you, you know, get... of course, I'm an outdoors person, so that attracted us too, so. Yeah, you had a lot in common. Yeah. Um, what year did you two get married? Um... Be honest with you, I can't remember. Okay, uh, okay. Uh, it was, well, it uh, was uh, two thousand and uh, five or not five, four maybe. I think I'm not for okay. sure. Okay, so you were married um, about seven to eight years uh, at the time that he disappeared in two thousand twelve. About seven or eight yeah. years. Um, mm-hmm. Now he had been married before because I know he has a couple sons. To another woman he had been married before? Yes. Okay. And if I may ask, had you been married before or not? No. No. No, this is my first marriage. And he was a pastor. Uh, What um, denomination of uh, church was he, and how long did he do that? Um, He had uh, pastored several other churches, but since me and him had got married, he uh, uh, um pastored um, uh, an independent Baptist. Independent Baptist. Big church or a large congregation or what? uh, It was uh, about 20-something, 30-something people at times, sometimes more. Um, It was just a country church. All right. And you said he liked, uh, did he have, is that all that he did? I'm sorry, I'm not familiar with this, but was this pastor his only job, or did he have another job, or, or how does that work? I, I have um, to admit, I don't, I'm not the, sure. At the, at the end, uh, you know, he, he worked, he had a full-time job until he, uh, re, you know, come disabled mm-hmm. uh, with his health and stuff, but um, he worked uh, on different other jobs, and, but then he pastored church, too. But now he didn't get paid to pastor the church. Oh, Okay. You know, I have to admit to the listeners and to you, I, I was raised Roman Catholic, so, you know, priests, that's all they do. So I'm not sure how it right. works in other denominations of Christianity or any other uh, religions. Okay. So you were married for about seven, eight years. He was a good guy. Um, but, and you two have a daughter together, and we don't have to mention her name, but you two do have a child together. One, one yes, daughter. Yes, one. Okay. Mm-hmm. But um, you did say that he had some, uh, you said he became disabled, but uh, what happened in 2007? You had um, said something about the, how, how he had lost his job. Um, what had happened there? How do you remember that? Well, he, he was working for a company taking care of uh, special need people, and they gave him an order to do, and when he came back that evening, they had suspended him, because they said he he's done something he shouldn't have done, but kind of find out he was in the right, they was wrong. So um, he ended up um, uh, they suspended for I don't know how many days. Then they called him and told him that he was fired, and he had never had never lost a, you know been far from a job in his whole life. So we ended up having a you know a small breakdown. It wasn't a full breakdown. And, you know, he, but he got over that. Um, um, he was back doing his old things, you know. So, you know, that really, that bothered him. But, you know, yeah. 
um, it, I guess it would take, you know, it would take a toll on anybody 50-something-year-old and, and hadn't ever been far from a job. And there, he had a newborn baby that was about four months old, no way to provide for. You know, that, that took a toll on him, but, you know, he got to draw his unemployment. And then that following January, I think they approved him for his uh, disability. So it affected him so severely that he couldn't go get another job. I mean, him being a good guy like that, I'm sure he it, it affected him more than most people. Yeah. Well, he had to have blood pressure, you know, and um, um, anxiety, you know. But um, and and he was kind of nervous uh, after that more than you know, just not severely nervous, but you know, till he got. You know, uh, say if he was going to do something, um, you know, he was a little nervous until he, you know, for a few minutes, and then he, you know, smoothed out with it. Okay. So he was on on disability, and this, mm-hmm. you know, this happened around 2007. And, and what did he do between then and how did what did he do with his time with you uh, between that time and when he disappeared in 2012? Um. Well, he would um, he work around the house, and we'd work at at the church. And um, he got had he had a old sixty five Ford. He was uh, wanting to redo, and he'd work around on it and um, go fishing and mm-hmm. walk and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But the the church was his main, I guess, concentration during that time, and yeah. uh, and he really enjoyed that. Yeah, he did. Okay. Yeah, he did. If they got somebody got sick in the church, he'd go to the hospital or you know, at home or something like that. Okay. Um, now we move up to the months and weeks and days before his uh, disappearance. He liked to take walks. What can you tell the listeners about that? And of course, this is kind of leads us up to you know how he disappeared. How often did he take the walks? How long did he go? You know. Um. He would walk um, every day uh, about a mile. Um, he used to walk the main road there, but where the traffic got so fast and stuff, he quit and started walking on the little side road there next to our house. And he would walk, I think it was about a mile, mile and a half, something like that. He had it timed out, you know, or measured down or something. Um, but then... He he got sick with um, a urinary tract and kidney and bladder infection, and he just he just quit doing everything. I mean, he he didn't walk. Uh, he didn't want to go around out around people. Quit going to church. I mean, he wouldn't even go to the doctor. Do you think that that was um, maybe that was uh, you know to use a, a a cliche like the camel that broke the you know the, the straw that broke the camel's back? You know, having issues and then one more issue on top of these other problems that he was having. Well, I don't really know. Um, before we ever got married, he had had a, uh, a kidney infection and all the same things, you know, then. And he got overhead and didn't do that way. So I, I really don't know. So he take these walks, but towards the end, uh, maybe not as often. And so... When he went on a walk that particular day, December 5th, 2012, was that a surprise to you because he hadn't been doing it or what? What do you think? Um, actually, I don't know if he did or not. 
because uh, right. I was at home. See, I don't know if he left walking or if he left in a vehicle. Right. I really That's a don't good point. know. That's really a good point, Missy. Thank you for pointing that out. Okay, and we're going to talk about that when we get to actually what happened. Thank you for pointing that out. Uh, however, the summer before, he had, you know, there was this uh, check writing story that you told me about that, you know, kind of, um, I, I got the feeling that made you a little concerned. What, what can you, what can you uh, tell us about that? Well, I'd asked him um, if he had wrote a check for some some bill. I don't even remember what it what it was. And he told me no, that I need to learn to start writing checks because I never know when one day he may not be here. And I told him, I said, I, I don't want to hear that talk. I said, ain't nothing going to happen to you. I said, you know, I don't like writing checks. He said, well, he said, you're going to start. He said, you need to learn. So, you know, that I didn't think nothing about it until, you know, he came up missing. And then one day he said, it was maybe a month later or something, he'd made a comment, you know, um, he believed he could survive out in the woods and asked me if I wanted to go. And I told him, I said, no. I said, I can't. I said, I'm afraid of snakes. I said, um, I'm not going to go do something like that. He said, oh, snakes won't hurt you. I said, well, I'm afraid of snakes. I said, I'm not going to do that. So. Now, when know, he now when he asked you that, did, did you get the feeling that he meant go live in the woods um, permanently or just for a few days or go camping? How, how What do you think he meant when he asked you that? Well, honestly, I I really don't know because um, I didn't think much of it at the time. I, huh. you know, maybe thought, you know, maybe for a few days or a couple of weeks or something like that. But, no, I, I don't like snakes that good. And he probably knew that. He'd been married to you for a while. He probably knew you didn't like snakes. Yeah, yeah. He knew He knew I was afraid of them, you know. And um, he, I don't know, he didn't see, you know, sometimes Dal didn't see no wrong. You know what I'm saying? When it comes to um, going outdoors like that and in the venture and, and stuff. And and sometimes he, you know, he wouldn't see the bad in the, in the people because he was trying to look and see the good in them. He would try to help them, but, you know, I guess that was, you know, him being a preacher, I guess that was something, you know, he's supposed to do. That's a, that's a quality you have to have. True. Uh, did, did you, I mean, I know you two both like the outdoors, but did you two ever go camping? Like maybe with a tent for a few days? Did that ever, did you ever do something that never did anything like that? No, we was supposed to that summer and we never did. We just stayed, got so busy. We just never did get to go. And regarding this this check writing story, you know, I think all married couples have that conversation. You know, what happens to me? What happens to you? Um, mm-hmm. Would you portray it as something like that, or did you think that there was something more to it than that? Well, at the time, I never really thought nothing about it. You know, I thought maybe you know talking about uh, you know passing away or something like that. You know, because he was a few years older than me. So, you know, that's kind of what I was looking at, not that he's just going to come up missing, you know. Right. Other than those couple things, though, did he seem like the the the, the man that you married? Any just friendly guy? Just those couple, I guess, unique circumstances? 
Mm-hmm. That's that was it. I mean, that was the only thing that he ever said. You know, out of the way that you know after he came up missing, and I started thinking about back about things that draw my attention. Hey, you know, he said this. He said that. Was that a hint? Uh, you know. Yeah, it's it's know. weird how that can change, isn't it? Like you have that conversation mm-hmm. back in the summer of 2012. Maybe it's a little odd, but you kind of. Just let it go. Maybe you even forget it a couple of days later. But then come December, right. you remember six months ago. Oh, okay, yeah. Maybe I look at mm-hmm. that a little bit different way. Oh, yeah. So he was having uh, some health issues. Um, maybe it said a couple things to you maybe that were a little strange. Uh, at this time, did he have any male friends maybe come over to the house? Did he go out with any of them? You know, what was going on in that maybe in the months before he disappeared? Um, the only one that he really socialized with and done anything with was our uh, assistant pastor. And he was an older-like man in his 70s. Uh, they would go fishing and um, do funerals together and stuff like that. Did he have any friends? Maybe called him on the phone, or um, like that? well, he um he had a they would be people call him up and talk to him. You know, if they you know needed prayer or something like that, you know, um, that knew him, um, would would call and and you know tell him what was going on and have him to have him to pray over the phone with them. Hmm. But far as having any like major friends that you know he done anything with this assistant pastor was it and did he did he text a lot or was it just uh phone calls uh no he would um he was texting um but i don't know who he was texting um he would always delete them but like if i text him or he texts me he would leave them on his phone but anything else he would uh would delete and I'd asked him who it was, you know, who it was, and he, he never would, you know, give me an answer. So, what do you, what do if I may ask, what do you, what do you think about that? Uh, it sounds a little suspicious. Yeah. Well, I mean, I really don't, I, I don't mm-hmm. know if it was, you know, another woman he was, you know, slipping around talking to, or, um, I, I don't know. Right. And we just should say, for the record, this disappearance, it's coming up on the five-year anniversary, unfortunately. But since he has yeah. disappeared, nothing like that has come out. You have not discovered that Dow was cheating on you or anything like that. We Mm-mm. just need to put – you've no. not – nothing like that. We just need to put that right. on the record. He was – Right. Okay. Very good. Um, What happened that day that he disappeared? You You saw him. You were actually one of the last people to see him that day. What what were you doing that day, and what happened? Um, I had went and got my mom to take her to get some groceries and pay a few bills uh, because she couldn't she don't drive, and my dad had passed away. So I would take I take her and, and do things that she needs done. So I had used all the dog food the day the evening before, and I called and told him. When I got done, you know, with mom, that I'd get us a sandwich and we'd come home and eat with him and feed the dog before I left taking her home. And 
he said something out of the way that day. He's like, well, you done fed the dog. And I said, no. I said, now I fed her all I had yesterday evening. And that was all he said. Well, it was a couple hours went on. We, you know, went ahead and done her, mom done her business. We stopped and got us a sandwich and we went by. And he was saying that he was having trouble swallowing. So um, I would got him a fish sandwich. And we was down there eating it. And he was eating some of his. And um, they was, um, um, some more church members had come and, and uh, had prayer with him and had brought him a sausage biscuit, and he, he never touched it. So we went ahead and, and eat, and I went ahead and went back to the bathroom to use the bathroom. And he comes back and stands with his back against the bedroom door, and he had a little crack in it. You know, it wasn't completely shut. And stand there, you know, talking and just, you know, he wasn't really acting strange. He just, I don't know, he just standing there like he was, you know, watching. So I just got done, you know, and washed my hands and went ahead and got the dog food and went on down. Well, no, before that, he, I fixed him a can of chicken noodle soup and forgot and left it on stove. And... So I went on down to feed the dog, and so um, uh, hey, Mom said he was walking back from the back door to the kitchen window, just back and forth, you know, like he was watching. And um, then I come back in, I locked the door and shut it and gave him a kiss, and I told him I'd call him when I got back out from before taking Mom home because... There's no cell phone signal up there. So I give him a hug and a kiss. And when we left, I stopped over before you go up into where she lives and got gas. And I happened to think the doctor office was supposed to call me, but I didn't have, wouldn't have no signal. So I called him. It was like 15 to 1 and told him if they called to tell him what, you know, was going on. And therefore, if they switched it, then he could let me know. Mm-hmm. So um, he said, okay. And when I hung up, I took her home, carried in her stuff, kissed her and hugged her and locked the door and left. Come back out. It was around 2 o'clock or a little before. I called, 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 called. Nothing. So I thought, well, you know, if he was having trouble swallowing, you know, maybe he got choked or something or passed down or something. And I didn't want to go in and find him by myself. So I called a brother of mine and we went down. Well, the front door was locked, but the back door was, it was shut, but it was unlocked. He was nowhere to be found. We we went plumb down that road behind my house, hollering, looking for footprints. Uh, there was no signs of the um, nurry sandwich paper. Um, I don't. I guess he took it with him. Um, he his key keys was left. His cell phone. He didn't take no medicine. He wore upper plates. Uh, he didn't take them. Uh, his Bible that his mom got him that he thought the world of. Um, 
no no clothes, no nothing that I know of that I could find missing. But he took his wallet? He had his his wallet was the only thing that I knew he had took. That's the only thing that you could actually prove of his possessions that he took. Right. Right. And you said that he had this sandwich, this fish sandwich that you had gotten him, and then this sausage biscuit. You couldn't find either of those uh, in the house anywhere, the wrappers or the food themselves, leading you to believe that he might have taken that with him wherever he went. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Yep. I mean, we looked all in the house and the trash outside, um, everywhere, even down that road when we was going, walking down there looking for him. And we never felt no signs of them nowhere. Okay. Let me ask you a couple questions more about that day, and then we'll get into uh, what you did and, you know, the pol- what the police did and, and searches and things. You had said about him standing uh, in your house next uh, to your uh, bedroom door. It seemed a little suspicious to you for some reason? It did. It did um, afterwards because, you know, at the time, like I said, I didn't think nothing about it. Uh, but I, after he came up missing, I thought, well, was there somebody, you know, in there that he was trying to protect me and my mom from, or was, did he have something maybe want to pack clothes and didn't want me to see it or what? You know, I don't know. Yeah. You, when we first talked, you gave me the idea that it was almost, you got the idea that maybe he was trying to keep you from going in the bedroom mm-hmm. like he was blocking right, like, blocking yeah, like it almost trying, yeah like he was you know yeah he had his back turned to it facing you know the kitchen down the hallways and it was like you know i'm standing here you know so if i got up i couldn't go in there so i i really don't know what was what he was doing it for and and he may not been nothing in there he may have just been doing that i don't know i don't know yeah it, he had never done it before mm-hmm. That was a unique uh, way from him to act. Yeah. Unusual. And then the the talk of of what your mother said about him pacing back and forth between the kitchen and I guess the back door where he would have been able to see you feeding the dogs, I guess, in your back door uh, or mm-hmm. in the backyard somewhere. Um, did your mother think that was think that was suspicious? When did you find out that he had been pacing like that? Did she tell you that right away, or did she tell you that after yeah, he disappeared? She, yeah, she told me that after we um, had gotten a vehicle and started leaving. Uh, she said, "I, you know, she said I wonder why he was doing that." And I said, "Well, I don't know." And um, I said, "I have no idea." But I had I had opened up a can of chicken noodle soup for him and turned the stove on and. Where I was in kind of a hurry to get out because I had to pick my little girl up. And then we had church that night. I forgot, didn't, you know, take it off the burner. So he goes over and turns it off and sets the kettle of chicken noodle soup on the back burner. And, you know, I didn't think nothing else. You know, I didn't even think nothing of it when I come in, you know. So, uh, but when we come in and found him gone, it was, I'd call different people, you know, um, and asked them if they had seen him or talked to him or anything like that. And they said no. And I said, well, I said, we come in. And I said, um, well, I told him I started calling and I couldn't get a hold of him. And I told him I had got, asked my brother to come and help me. 
And I said, we've looked and looked and looked and can't find him. And I said, um, I'm not going to church tonight. I said, because if he's not here, I said, you know, I'm worried about him. And so I down and called the law. And they come out and took a report. And they called a rescue squad out that night because it's going to get real cold. And done a search. And they still, you know, nobody found him. And so the next the next day, they brought the Brush Mountain prison dogs in, bloodhounds, I think it was. And I gave them a cap that he wore and a shirt. And they never picked up nothing. No scent, no nothing. But they didn't. They didn't start up there around the house. They went down, down below, you know, the house there below the gate. So they never picked up no scent of him being down in there over in that field where the beehives was at. And they they done that for maybe a first maybe an hour or two, and then they left. And about I don't know if it was like two weeks after that, or a little bit before two weeks. They about brought cadaver dogs in. They never picked up nothing. Um, and then we had like, uh, like it was around 200 people uh, search. And they were some on horsebacks and everything went down to the rivers and and went all behind my house. And then they went out towards the railroad tracks, towards the main highway and went down that way so far and then they come back and was never no signs of nothing nothing how many miles would you say that they searched uh away from your house um they actually started right at the back of my house and went down from there they said now i wasn't with them i stayed in the house with my little girl um they claimed they went plumb to the river and i don't know how far that is pretty far would you say it's a mile it's it's pretty good yeah it's pretty good little distance i'm assuming i'm not for sure but i'm i'm assuming it is um but i I don't know and um you mentioned the dogs Did, did the people handling the dogs give you any explanation uh for why no scent was picked up is that is that to mean that the scent wasn't strong enough or could it be that the reason they didn't pick up a scent is because uh, Dow went up, you know, to the road and got a ride. Did they ever give you an explanation of why the scent wouldn't have been picked up? No, they never said. Uh, they never said nothing. Actually, I didn't even talk to the ones that was um, um, doing the search. Um, they just, all they asked, um, I don't exactly know. It wasn't them. It was somebody else from the sheriff's department asked if I had a shirt or something, some type of clothing. So, you know, I gave him his hat and uh, a shirt, and then they took off. And so I don't even know. I don't even remember who gave it back to me. But okay. as far as the main, uh, the main men, I never got to talk to them. All you know is that for sure those dogs that they used uh, didn't pick up anything. You know, right. as far as they're concerned – the dogs are concerned. It seems like Dal never even left the house to them. Mm-hmm. Of course, we know that's not yeah. the case, but they just didn't pick up anything anywhere around the house. The whole way around the house, 
you know, from a considerable distance, they just couldn't pick up anything. Right. Yeah. Um, let me ask you a couple things about the house. When you got back there and, and went inside, was there any signs of violence? Did you notice anything that might have been missing? Could there have been a burglary, let's say, while he was there, and maybe they yeah. took anything like that missing? N- nothing. But, I mean, it was left the way it was when I – it was – it wasn't nothing bothered or touched or nothing. There was no signs of nothing. Okay. And – do you have an idea if he was wearing a jacket? You you said that maybe it might be hard to de- determine what clothes he was wearing. He's probably wearing the clothes that you last saw him in, but do you think that he wore a hat, took a jacket? It is December in Tennessee. Any idea? I don't. Um, I, well, the hat uh, he wore was a camouflage hat, and that's the one I let them use. Uh, but most times he went out and it was real cold, he put a bogging on and he had earmuffs. Uh, but I don't know if he had them or not. I can't. I can't remember. Can't remember. Do you think he wore a jacket? Do you think he wore a jacket? I I think he had a jacket. I think he, that one jacket was gone. I think. I I think he had two similar like, and I think one was gone. So, for all intents and purposes, as far as the dogs and the police could determine, there there's just right right at that point, no answers, no answers, mm-hmm. just. It's like he was in the house one second and then completely gone. Uh, dogs can't pick up anything. Yeah. Um, now, the, the listeners should know that before I talked to Missy, I had an opportunity uh, to talk to her brother, whose name is Kenny. And he was the one that then gave me Missy's phone number, and that's how we ended up talking and how she ended up on this episode. Um, Kenny said that uh, he had a dog or dogs uh, that were bloodhounds of some type, that he said that they did pick up a scent. Do you know anything about that? Had he, did Kenny ever told you about that? Were you aware of that? Because that's what he told me. I don't, I seem like I remember him bringing uh, one of his dogs down there, but to be honest with you, the state of mind I was in at that time in mm-hmm. shock, I really can't remember. Okay. Okay, I understand that. And don't feel bad about it if you don't specifically remember. Totally understandable. Uh, the reason I ask that is because we're going to talk about a, uh, a guy now. His name is Steve Garrett. And his name came up. Um, he is a guy who works near there who said that he allegedly saw Dow that day. What did Steve Garrett say? He said that he seen him, um, I think it was around 1 o'clock, over in a field behind my neighbor's house at, next to some beehives. Um, but I don't. I know that couldn't have been right because it was like 15 or 10 to 1 when I last talked to him on the phone. And Dal never, he never did go over in there. Even my neighbor said he didn't buy that. Um, but uh, when they brought them um, bloodhounds in, they was over there where they said he was last seen, and they never picked up no scent. So, and, you know. And was it muddy or anything? Could there have been any proof of footprints or anything over in that area? Well, uh, it was a field, so. Or he would have been, no, they was, it was all grass, 
but down that road where he walked a lot, um, it was muddy. And me and my brother, when we went down there looking, uh, we looked for footprints, and they was nothing. I mean, we was hollering for him. We went to the edge of the bank. Think, you know, he may have slipped and hit his head. Um, nothing. There was no footprints nowhere. And if they'd been somebody down there walking, you'd have left a footprint. Right. So Steve says that he saw Dow over in this area, but uh, according to your eyes and to, to the dogs, um, Dow was never in that area. Uh, did, did Steve happen to see Dow anywhere else that day, walking around anywhere else? Just, this there is all he said. So, I, you know, I don't know. I don't know. He may have said he's seen him then around the gate and over at the beehives in that field. I don't, uh-huh. but I do know he said the beehives. And is Steve the only one that day who says that he saw Dow? Is there any other witnesses After, who might have seen might have seen Dow? If they was, they was nobody come out and said nothing. But um, Steve was supposed to be the last one after I left home. Uh, was the only one supposedly seen him. And would you happen to know where Steve was when he did see? How was it? Was he driving by? Was he down at his shop, which was, uh, from what I've been told, at like a quarter mile away? Do you have any idea how he might have seen Dow, where he was? I'm assuming that he was in his vehicle coming back down or going down. I'm not for sure. He never said. He just said he's seen him. All right. Now, the reason we bring up Steve's name is because getting back to Kenny is that uh, Kenny had told me that his dogs had led them on with Dow sent down to near where Steve Garrett worked. Uh, that's what he said, but you don't remember that. It might have happened. You don't remember it, uh, and I don't, haven't had a chance to talk to any police, and I'm not even sure if they know it, but this would be an exception to the what it seems. These other dogs didn't smell anything, but it seems Kenny's did, so we're kind of up mm-hmm. in the air. We just, we're just not sure about that. Right, and you know, come think about it, I do remember me giving him Dow's hat or something now, same, same cause I do, but I don't remember, I can't remember what he said, but now come think about it, he did take his one bloodhound down in there. Okay. But I don't know, you know, what they found or nothing else. Now, there was uh, something out there, and I don't know if you saw this yourself. You you can tell me and the listeners that, but did Steve have some sort of injury? Uh, Yeah, he had a, a cut over one of his eyes, like a little three-inch cut and a uh, place on the side of his face or well next to his temple somebody asked him what happened and he said it was one of the cops and the sheriff and they said he said he was working on something and a chisel flew back and hit him so you know right. i don't know and steve we should know steve uh works at a at a metal fabrication company yeah, a, a metal company. Yeah. So I guess it's possible. Could be a dangerous place. Lots of tools. Mm-hmm. Could be. Right. Um, and he said that was what happened. Did you actually see Steve with those injuries, or was it only the police that saw that? Uh, no, I I asked him to come over and let me talk to him, and I was standing on my porch, 
when he left talking to the law and he walked over in my yard and, and I, I personally talked to him that evening and seen it. And you saw it. Uh, did it look suspicious to you or did it look like he was telling the truth? Well, I kind of, you know, I thought, you know, he should have been questioned more than what he should. I'm not saying he'd done something, but to, just to have closure about, you know, what he said and then him up being gone, nobody could find him, uh, would have made me feel better. Sure. But they never did give him a polygraph test, but I was given one a couple months or so after they'll come up missing. You were given one? Yes. And I'm going to take for yes, granted that you passed it, Missy. Yes. The TBI was the one that came in and gave me my uh, polygraph test at the sheriff's office. And do you know of anybody else that were given lie detector tests besides yourself? Nobody else did. I asked if anybody else was going to be given one, and the sheriff at the time dropped his head, and that told me everything. So, um, when we went in and I was taking it, I think we was had took a break or something, and I'd come back in and I'd ask the TBI agent if anybody was going to be given one besides me, and he said no. Well, he asked me why I asked the question, and I told him, you know, what things I had heard and seen from different, you know, things, and he said, well, he said, no, he said, you're the only one, and I told him about Steve Garrett, about the cut and stuff. I said, I'm not accusing him of it, but I said, I would like to know you know, how he actually got the cut and other things. And he said, well, he said, I understand what you're saying. He said, I feel the same way. But he said, there's nothing else I can do. He said, I'm just here to give you yours. And I said, well, I understand that. And one of the one of the uh, police officers said something about Steve's head being screwed on straight or something like that? It was the detective um, that was on the case. Um, he said, uh, one of my brothers said something about Steve, and he said Steve was a real good guy and had his head on his shoulders. So, you know, yeah. um, that was um, pretty much all whatever was ever said about him. So just to remind the listeners, the, the only man, person, let's just call him person, who allegedly saw Dow after you saw him, after you left with your mother that day, uh, also had a bruise and a cut around his eye. Yes, above above his eyebrow. Above his eyebrow. And then they was uh, bruising on, uh, see, the cut was on one side of his head, and the bruising was on the other side. I'm not for sure. I think the cut may have been on his left, above his left eye, and the Bruising was on the right side of his um, temple next to his eye. Okay. Before that day, I guess it would maybe be the next day, um, that you probably first – is that the first time you ever heard Steve Garrett's name? Has his name ever popped up before? Did Dow ever mention him maybe on one of his walks, having a run-in with him or, or anything like that? Would you, did you know Steve no. Garrett before this? No, I did not. They was saying Steve Garrett that night, and I'm like, who's that? As far as I knew, Dow didn't even know him. 
I mean, we didn't, you know, we would speak to people if they passed by our house going down through there. Uh, but most time when Steve would pass by there, he wouldn't even, I mean, you could wave at him and he wouldn't even speak. So, you know, we didn't socialize with them because, you know, um, we just, we just didn't know him. Did he, he worked in the area. Did he live in the area? Did he live close to you or up the, up the road? I have, I don't know where he lives. He lives in Scott County, but I'm not for sure. Somebody said maybe in the Mountain View area, but I'm not for sure about that. Okay. Let's move on to uh, another guy who seems uh, maybe a little suspicious in all of this. We just don't know. We have to look at all these possibilities. What can you mm-hmm. tell the listeners about Uncle Larry Phillips? Well, there's no, I, I don't know much. Um, all I know is once in a blue moon, you know, Dal would be talking and, and um, he would say something about his uncle, the neighbor they was growing up. I think they're kind of close to the same age. And he went out on the blue one day, the phone rung, and it was his uncle Larry. He called and he asked to talk to Dal, and I took the phone to him. And he told Dal that he was going to come down to church one day, but somebody would have to be on at the main road. So he followed him back in because he didn't know where the church was at. Well, he called one day and told Dal that he was coming, and I went out to the 27 next to the Robbins Post Office and waited on him. And I think it was him and his nephew come that day, I think. And they came like, I don't know, maybe a month or or a month and a half or something like that. Well, Larry had went to college to be a preacher, and he wanted to take over the church. And um, Dal already had a sister pastor, and Dal told him, he said, now, Larry, he he said, Larry, he said, there ain't nobody going to come in here and run Brother Tommy off. He said, if he wants to leave, he can. But he said, I'm not asking him to step down or nothing. He said, he's a good man. And so um, Larry kind of got a little upset at Dow over that. And he come once or twice after that, and he just quit coming. And so it went on for uh, about a month or less than half, two months. After Dow come up missing, and the assistant pastor had called him. And, you know, trying to see if he knew anything. And he was very strange talking to the assistant pastor. He said he didn't really want to talk to him. But he had asked Dal while he was coming to church down there. I don't know what kind of work he'd done or nothing like that. But he said he drove a box truck. And I think he said he drove and went to Mississippi and maybe Alabama. And told Dal that he ought to come and go with him on a trip. And Dal told him he might do that. But as far as I know, Dal never did. And how is this uh, Larry Phillips related to Dal? Um, Dal's mother and him were sisters and brothers. Okay, so Larry would have been, if Dal was in his 50s, you would say that Larry was somewhere at least in his 60s then? He was an older guy? Yeah, well, he—I don't know exactly how old he was. He was—he, him and Dal was close to the same age. Um, I don't know how many years apart, but it wasn't that far apart. I don't think. Okay. 
And was Larry from the area or did he just pop up? You know, um, where did he live? You you told me you weren't even sure he was in the area, but you, he's a family member, but you didn't even know where he lived. Could you maybe explain that? I I honestly, all I can tell you is I was told he lived in Clinton. Then I was told he lived in Lake City. So I'll be honest with you, I don't know where the man lived. Um, me and a few of the church members was trying to figure out actually where he lived to go see if maybe he had a come and got down and took him over there. But we never did, could find out uh, uh, the right location, so we never did get to go. And um, the morning he come up missing, um, I had neighbors um, to see him. They said it was a maroon or a red-looking minivan, an older model, was sitting cross-sided in my, in my uh, driveway. And uh, um, they said around 8 or 8.30 that morning. Um, but they said they never seen nobody. They thought it was some of the family. So they just, you know, went on about their business. And But they never seen Dale or nobody like that. And did Larry drive? Do you know if Larry drove or owned a vehicle like that? Well, to be honest with you, I, I'm going to think he might have had drove one to church. But one time, but I'm not for sure, because sometimes they come in a little red Jeep, like a uh, Jeep Liberty or something like that, which I think was his nephew's. And then I think um, his sister that would come with him, uh, I think they drove her car, and I think it was a white-looking car. So I'll be honest with you, I'm not for sure um, exactly, because it seemed like every time they come, it was something different. And that's kind of one of the reasons why we was wanting to kind of see if we could figure out where he lived to see what kind of vehicles he drove. And we just never could figure out where he lived at. Even up to this day, I still don't know where he lived. You still know he's the uncle of your husband, and he may live in the area. He may not live in the area. He may live in Ohio. He could live in Kentucky. You just don't know. Yeah. He just happened to pop up yeah. uh, once in a while out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yep, since I mean, I'm not for sure he's from that area over in there somewhere, but I don't know if he still lives around here or if he's moved off from here now. I don't know. Let me ask you this. Since Dow disappeared in December of 2012, did this uncle, once again, it's, it's Dow's mother's brother. Did he ever offer condolences? Mm -hmm. Did he ever come to do help in any of the searches? Anything? No, none, none of his family. Uh, cousins, uncles, or nothing like that come. Uh, one of his sons and uh, his half-sister from Indiana come in. Um, I think it was in, might have been in January. I think, now it could have been towards the end of December. I'm not for sure. Um, and come, and one of the guys from church took him everywhere we had pretty much searched at, and um, but see, he lives up there in Indiana, and, and the job he's got, he can't just up and leave who's anytime this? he wants. And who's to. this? And who's this? Brad. Oh Brad, yeah. Brad Dow's oldest. Yeah, Dow's oldest son. Oldest right. son. We're, we're gonna get and to him in a second. Yeah, Dow's. Uh, it was him and his Dow's um, half sister come in. Uh, but just to be clear again, this uncle who came down there wanted to take over the church, 
said he wanted to take Dow on a trip, uh, you know, uh, in, in his truck, a box truck down to Mississippi or whatever. After Dow disappeared, he personally never came down, took part in a search, never called you anything. Mm-mm. Nope. Some of the family, um, some of his nephews or something like that, you know, um, said some pretty harsh things towards uh, some people on, on the Internet about me. Um, and, you know, uh, I never got on there and said nothing because I was advised with the detective that was over the case not to go on there and say or do nothing. Um, you know, it kind of bothered me because I was wanting to defend myself, but I had the, the polygraph test, you know, to prove that me or none of my family or friends or anybody acquainted with us done nothing to doubt. Did they, I, I mean, seriously, wanted to. seriously, did they really think that you did something to Dow? Really? Well, apparently they did. I mean, you know, some of the remarks, you know, uh, they had said, and he had a, um, uh, nephew, Chucky, uh, had actually, um, put something on Facebook and I even called a detective and, um, I think it was like making threats or something like that. And I asked him, I said, are there, there's not no way that you can go about getting in contact with him and advising him that he needs to quit saying and doing what he's doing. He's like, no, and don't you go on on there and comment. Just let it let it go. Yeah. You know, so I, ha- I never went on there and commented, but I, I sure wanted to. I, I bet you did. Um, it, I have to say, as a person who is completely outside of your family and everything, it seems kind of strange to me that on one hand, you know, it seems like this part of the family, of Dow's family, this uncle and whoever else, they don't... They only show up if they want something, it seems. But then when Dow disappears, they come to the defense of him pointing the finger at you. It seems kind right. of strange. It seems very strange. Right. Um, now, I never, you know, like I said, Larry, his uncle, now I never talked to him after he, you know, and best my knowledge, Dow never talked to him at all after he left the church neither, uh, That he when he quit coming. And how long before uh, Dow disappeared did Larry show up talking about wanting to take over the church and all that? How many months or weeks before that was it? Um, it was that summer. Um, I don't know if it was um, July, August, or September. I'm not for sure. Uh, just a few months before Dow come up missing in in uh, January or December. And after that, after he left, let's say it was September, you never heard from him again, or Dow, allegedly? No. Best of my knowledge, when he when he left church that one night, the last time he was there, uh, Dow, and I know myself, never talked to him at all. But now the assistant pastor called him, it was in January or February, a few months after Dow came up missing and was trying to, you know, question him about things, if he talked to him, and had heard anything from him, and he he didn't want to talk to assistant pastor at all. He, he acted very strange. So Larry didn't want to talk to this assistant pastor. Didn't want to try to be helpful at all. Nope, that's right. Okay. So you know, uh, the assistant pastor always kind of thought something on the uncle, but like he said, he's like me. He didn't, you know, not accusing nobody of nothing, but 
you know, the way he came down to church and wanted to do things his way. And Dal just stepped up and told him, no, we're not going to do it like this. And, you know, he kind of got a little mad at Dal. So, well, that's the way we took it. He got aggravated or mad or upset, you know, because Dal wouldn't let him just come in and take over. And then he just up and quit, and that was the end of him. Maybe we should hit on this just for a second. Being that Dal did leave his phone behind, uh, did the police check his phone? Any suspicious phone calls, anything like that before he disappeared? Um, the, actually, the detective took his phone, and um, actually, they still got it if they've not done away with it. And But yeah. you don't know um, what the results were, if they checked any of the phone numbers or anything like that. Did you... They actually checked it, and some of the texts and numbers and stuff like that, they uh, wrote them down and and came and talked to me and asked me this and that and who it was, and i tell them. But as far as any strange things, no. Nothing. Mm-hmm. We, we should say for the record, though, with the text messages, uh, you don't know what the messages actually are. It can say that no. a text was sent, but you can't read the message. That's not how it works. Okay. Right. Right. Dow's son, you had mentioned uh, he had two sons. One, Brad, who, uh, just to be frank, seems like the better of the two. Uh, he had come mm-hmm. down and helped uh, with the search, uh, you said, eventually came down to your area. But Dow had another son who, um, Maybe he wasn't as quite a good guy. Uh, maybe this could have something to do with Dow's disappearance. What can you tell, uh, just using his first name, um, what the situation was with Dow's other son? Um, well, he uh, uh, and he wouldn't talk to Dow for years. And we actually went to Indiana one time. Uh, it was a few months after Madison was born. Well, well it might have been that couple years after she was born give or take um and you know dal kind of got him and dal kind of got back talking terms and that made dal feel good but he was on drugs and stuff like that and that bothered dal and one day on the blue he up and calls dal and told dal that he had uh, got his life straightened out and that he was uh, going to church and he lord had taught him to preach and that just tickled down to death. And then it went, he, you know, talked to her, you know, about a week or something like that, or a couple of weeks or something. And he started asking Dow for money. And Dow told him, he, I, well, I told Dow, I said, Dow, listen, I said, you better watch. I said, because he may be telling you that because he knows how much you want him in church and living for the Lord. And so he said, um, he told Waylon, he said, Waylon, he said, I, I don't have the money to do it. Well, he told him he needed tars, and I think Dal one time sent him a little money for some tars, and I don't, best my knowledge, he never sent him none after that. But um, I think Waylon um, is still into his old doings. Um, I don't know exactly what I was on or, or nothing like that. 
To your knowledge, um, did Waylon ever make any trips down? When was the last time he came down to your house to um, see see his brother or see his father? I should say. Actually, actually, um, he never came down here at all that I know of. Never. Uh, we went and seen him, and then Dal talked to him a few times on the telephone. So all the time that you and Dow were married, you don't remember Waylon ever coming down? Uh, no, he, he never did. Okay. Uh, do you have any idea of when the last time Dow spoke to hit this son before he disappeared? Any ideas? Uh, the best of my knowledge, uh, just a few months. Um, maybe a month or month and a half or two before he, he disappeared, the best of my knowledge. And would you say that Dow communicated with his other son, Brad, a lot more? Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. So he had these two sons. Uh, did he have? Did Dow have any other kids besides the two sons from his previous marriage? No. Just, just the just two, two boys and then my daughter. Your, your daughter, yes, uh, who you still mm-hmm. care for. So we've gone through some possibilities. We have Steve. Um, we have uh, Larry. Um, we have this suspicious van. Um, maybe I could ask you a little bit more about that. That van, this maroon van, appeared in your driveway that morning. I'm guessing that neither you nor Dow, any, just your neighbor saw it. You and he didn't see it. Well, I don't know if they wasn't nobody in the van, so apparently they was there in the house, I'm assuming, because she never seen nobody. Uh but I had actually told the detective about what my neighbors had seen. And he said, well, I'm not worried about that. He said, because you and different ones had seen him and talked to him after that. And um, if, if this, they, this maroon van of that morning was sitting, you know, parked in your driveway, or did the neighbors say how long it sat there? I mean, how long is, how far, you know, how long is your driveway? Would you have been able to see this van from your house if it was parked there? Or, or do you think it was just somebody who got lost and was just turning around or something? Well, I, I don't know. Uh, that's possible. Um, but uh, she said it was right up in our driveway. So if somebody would have been turning, they wouldn't have been pulled up like she said they was. And she really don't know how long they sat there. Um, so she was, she came in and... She said about at least 30 minutes or 20 minutes and ate a breakfast, and then she uh, left, and it was still sitting there. And where were you that morning? If this van is in your driveway, where were you that morning that you didn't see it? I had took Madison to school and was on my way to get my mom to take her out and get her uh, groceries and pay a few bills. And so when you got back, the van is gone. And when you got home, Dal never said anything about a van being in your driveway. No, and see, at the time, I didn't know that there was a van yeah. there. Of course. Because I hadn't talked to my neighbor. Of course. Uh, when, and just to be, just to go over this again, when did you find out about this van in the driveway? Um, It was the next day or a couple of days after he came up missing that I had uh, talked to my neighbor. And she is very, very sure that it was the exact same day that Dow disappeared. Very, very. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 
Well, that is interesting then. Since then, uh, any leads at all in the last five years? Any, uh, of course, I know that Tennessee has a lot of hunters. Anybody see find any clothing? You said about these sandwiches, these wrappers, anything in that area anybody has discovered in the last five years? Nothing. Nothing. Ain't nobody come out and, and they've not felt nothing, or if they have, it's not been told to me. And the police, when was the last time you talked to them? And, and since December of 2012, have they ever expressed to you what they think happened? Just a, a theory. Um, the detective, I asked him what he thought may have happened. And all he would ever say was that he just took off walking and fell up dead with a heart attack. I said, well, if that's the case, where's his body? You know. Somebody would have found him uh, shortly uh, with all them people that were searching that day. Yeah, I and mean, we have to... Re- the, please. The search happened... Uh, I see, he came up missing the 5th of December, and it was like um, January, February, whenever they done that last big search. So in that length of time, they surely would have found something. Right, and they looked in all different directions from your house. Up, in, even though you have, you know, I've done a Google street search, so I've been up, kind of up and down those roads, roads, and I've been by where Steve Garrett worked, and just using Google Street View. Uh, it, you know, mm-hmm. it's some mount. There's some hills there, some mountains, a lot of trees, some woods, some forest, and all of those areas were searched within a reasonable um, length. Like a mile from yes, your house, or, and, or yes, and and whenever they actually done the search, uh, there was no uh, leaves on the tree. So you know, um, if he'd have, you know been in the woods somewhere, unless he was covered up with leaves, um, he was, should have been easy to spot. You know, if we've had dark colored clothes on, or light colored, or anything. When I left home, he had a light color, like a tan colored pair of pants, and. I'm not for sure. I can't remember what color T-shirt he had on, but he had a like a tan color pair of pants. So that you know. Um, what kind of shape was Dow in? Um, physical shape. Do you, if he started walking through the woods and started up one of those mountains, how far do you think he's going to get before he has to take a break? Was he? In- um, he was in pretty good shape for that. He liked uh, exercise and walking. That he loved that. Um. I don't know. Um, he could have probably walked a pretty good ways um, before he stopped. But now, my understanding, when you get down there, past behind our house, go down in our pretty good ways. I'm not sure even how far it is. Is the river's at and hit down that cold of the year? Unless he had a boat, he there ain't no way he'd have swam across it. Is it possible? How deep is it? I really don't know. Uh, they go kayaking down in there, so I'm not for sure um, exactly where they put in at. But we went down there one time and went fishing, which it had rained, and the river was up a little bit. And I think um, somebody said it was pretty deep. I, I don't know. So maybe he went down there, but we're just not sure. No, no signs that he went. No signs that he went down there, 
And mm-hmm. it is um, maybe unusual because you said that, uh, you know, he took probably took this food with him. Why would he take this food with him if he was going to go down and jump in the river? That's hard, maybe a little hard right. to understand. Right. Uh, looking back at now, do you think that Dow was depressed? Do you think that he, you know, even though I know he's a pastor and, and in Christianity, suicide is not, I guess, quote unquote, accepted. Is, is there possible the possibility? Do you, do you entertain the possibility they might have been depressed to the point of wanting to hurt himself? Well, I don't know. Um, he was very against um, somebody uh, harming themselves. Um, he, he was very against that. Um, he didn't believe in that at all. Um, far as acting depressed, um, he really didn't act depressed, um, to, to an extent that would be noticeable, really. I mean, one, I mean, he didn't want to get out amongst people, um, cause he didn't like, if he wasn't cleaned up, he didn't, he, he was always like that. He didn't want people to see him. If he wasn't shaved or or had on, you know, uh, if he had on work clothes, he wouldn't even go out to the to the store for me unless he put on good clothes and cleaned up. You like to look because good. Because him saying, yeah, because he, before he was a pastor, he thought people would downgrade him. And I said, well, there ain't nobody going to think nothing about that now. I said, you you know, working around the house. But he, he would not. He was were always worried and concerned about what people would think of him if he, you know, looked like a bum. All right. Once again, going back to that kind of good guy image uh, that we started mm-hmm. out with, you know, he was a, a clean yeah. cut good guy. Yeah. Um, but you did say that maybe he didn't want to go to the doctor. I'm, I'm sure a lot of people don't like going to the doctor, but you'd said that he was having these uh, infections, but didn't want to go to the doctor about it. Did he explain why he didn't want to go? No, he just said that he just didn't want to go, that uh, we didn't understand uh, but as long as it had been, the infection should have been cleared up. You know. The, yeah, this was not. This was not. Stuff. This was not cancer or anything. This was just something that right. could be fixed, no. fixed with antibiotics. Right, and he had took uh, antibiotic, um, but he he did have uh, like um, um, I guess it's like anxiety, like getting nervous uh, about different things. Um, and he was on a mild nerve pill, but he hadn't been on them uh, maybe a couple years. And um, I was actually the one uh, told him to go and talk to his doctor about putting him on a mild nerve pill. He didn't even want to take them because he was afraid that people would look down on him being a pastor uh, having to take a mild nerve pill. I said, Dale, you're not the only one have to take something like that. Plus, how would they know? He doesn't have to tell them. Well, you know, true, that's what I told him. But he is always worried about, because he was a, a preacher, what somebody would, you know, how they would look at him and think of him. He wanted, he always wanted people to, to see the good and, and not see him, you know, well, hey, he, he takes pills, you know, for this and that. But, I mean, it was just a, a I mean, it wasn't no very strong one. It wasn't a strong nerve pill or nothing. What was it? If you can, when I, when you say nerve pill, what do you mean? Is that like uh, uh, Xanax or something like that? I'm sorry, I'm not familiar with a lot of this medication. I, do you know what it was? No, I don't think I don't think it was Xanax. I'm not for sure uh, what the name of it was. Um, 
um I can't I can't remember now. Um I hit my I think it was like a ten milligram or something like that. I and, think now don't hold me to that. Okay. I uh, think now, I'm not for sure. Um would the, when you say a nerve pill, would this be different than an antidepressant pill? He wasn't on anything like um, that. I think it's for like anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Um, okay. But to your knowledge, not, he was I'm not, not on. He was sure. not on any antidepressants. He was not on any. Not that I know of. He was on uh, blood pressure and. Um, um, I'm not for sure. It was a pill to kind of help him rest at night. Um, it was a big old long white pill, uh, kind of fat. Like an and Ambien, then, um, Ambien or something like that. I guess I'm not for sure. Um, and then the mild nerve pill, that was all he took. And he he had to start checking his sugar, but he wasn't a diabetic. He he they didn't have to take no medicine for the sugar. So it sounds to me like he's in his fifties. These are not things that are totally unusual. Pretty right. pretty standard for some guy in his fifties or a woman in her fifties. So mm-hmm. pretty standard. Yeah. Okay. What's it been like the last five years? We're coming up on the f- five-year anniversary of this happening, Missy. Um, you have a daughter. Uh, I, I'm sure it's been very difficult. Yeah. Um, well, I, th- I think the main problem is not knowing uh, whether he's um, dead or alive. Uh, either one would have closure. You know, um, I want nothing more for him to be alive. Uh, if he wants to be out there and not be with his family, that that's fine. That would be his choice. But um, just, uh, you know, I'd love to know because there's been so many things said and done towards me, uh, even some of my family members and some of the church members, um, about what had actually happened to him, uh, that you know, the truth would actually come out, you know, one way or the other. And it's really took effect on our daughter. Um, she, she won't, she won't hardly leave my side. Um, she won't go stay all night with nobody now. Um, you know, she likes, like I told you earlier, she's, you know, had her own bedroom sleeping in there. And when this come up, she completely quit. She, she has to sleep in the bed with me. And if I let her fall asleep on the couch, um, she wakes up middle night. Boy, she gets mad. Mommy, why didn't you wake me up? You know, so she she does not want to be without me at all. Yeah. And it's you know it's took a toll on her too. So when you say and about it really has, uh, I bet it has. I bet it has. And she's uh she was five when this happened. She's ten now. She's going to be eleven in January. You told me, correct? Uh, March. In March, okay, in March. Yeah, actually, mine and Dal's birthday uh, is uh, Mar- or January the 15th. Mine and his birthday is the same day. You both had the same birthday? I didn't know that. That's the first time you told me that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, that is unusual. Yeah. Yeah. So are you saying that some people in your, in your husband's church have sus- maybe suspected you of doing something to him? Is that what you mean when you well, it's not ago? it's it's not really it's not really people in the church. It's like outsiders. Uh, you know how people, um, like, you know, want to stir up trouble. 
um, well, they've done this, they've done that, I'm sure of it, you know. Just yeah. trying to keep something stirred up to make somebody look bad. Now, you did say that your mother lives uh, close to you. Has she been able to offer a lot of support? Um, um, she actually, she's, uh, she lives um, about 30 minutes or 45 minutes away. But, yeah, she has really, uh, whenever this, when he come up missing, um, it was um, then when Christmas break came in for the kids, she actually come and stay with me, um, you know, trying to help me. So, you know, if I need to get out and go somewhere, um, I'd get, you know, she'd be there with Madison. But uh, Madison, she wouldn't stay if I, if I wasn't there. So, uh, but yeah, mom, she, you know, she still comes out to the house and she, um, I get around the house and she comes out there and stays with me for the weekend and we get out and do things together or I take her and pay, you know, let her pay her bills and get her groceries and stuff like that. Um, because like I said, my dad passed away about a year and a half before Dal come up missing. And so mom, you know, she didn't drive. So, you know, she has to get somebody to come and take her. So I always, you know, was the one that went done for it's good you have somebody like that so close. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I know that, um, you know, Dal's disappearance is unique is that it's not on, and I want to help to make this happen uh, after, you know, as much as I can. You know, his disappearance isn't listed in some of the very popular missing person sites. You know, I know that there's a missing mm-hmm. persons report there in the area, but there's a couple national databases where Dal isn't listed. So uh, I'm going to try to help you get that done. That will certainly, along with this program, help raise the awareness of his disappearance, you know, in case somebody, you know, knows something. If somebody's looking around right. and, and, and God forbid that, you know, maybe his remains or somebody found his remains and they don't even know he's missing. You know, that happens. Right. You know, that happens, especially right. considering that he took his wallet with him. So if he is found, mm-hmm. he's going to have his ID on him. You know, that's going to be right. part of, so uh, I want to help uh, you get on the NamUs database. I'm going to talk to my uh, friend who runs charlieproject.org, and we can get him listed on there, get some pictures of him posted, and get all this information yeah, out there. Yeah, get that information put together so we can uh, put him with all the other missing people, you know, th- that are listed in the United States, you know, to help you mm-hmm. out that way. I think that's very important. Right. So I want to help you do that. Um, any last words before we conclude this interview, Missy? I just want to thank you for everything that you're you know, doing, and hopefully something good comes out of it. I share those same uh, desires, and I appreciate the kind words. Thank you, Missy. And I hope we can get some answers. I hope we surely can get some answers very soon. Yeah. Very soon. Yeah, me too. And I appreciate you joining me on this episode of Unfound. I thank you. You're welcome, Missy. And that was my interview with Missy Phillips, wife of Dow Phillips. I thank her for being on the program, and I thank her brother Kenny for arranging the interview. I've said many times on Unfound, I don't know why some cases are widely known to the public and others are unknown. It certainly can't be because these unknown cases aren't mysterious and their victims aren't interesting and good people because Dow and his disappearance check all the boxes. 
just like Mar Murray's or the Springfield Threes. Yet his family and their pain have carried on in obscurity until now. As for Dow's disappearance, I don't know what to think. He did seem to be acting strangely before he disappeared. Could it have been he was experiencing some paranoia? Standing in front of that bedroom door, for example. But Steve Garrett had some cuts on his face the day Dow disappeared. Was it a coincidence? I'm not sure we'll ever know. Was the maroon van someone who was praying with Dow that morning? Or was it something else? And why has that person never come forward? Uncle Larry and Dow's one son, the missing sandwiches. Lots of facts to ponder and discuss. And I'm certainly happy that all of you can do that now that you know about Dow Phillips. Maybe we can find some answers for Missy and her family together. With that, I'll leave the rest of the theorizing up to you. And that's the program. If you found it informative, please go to the app that you use to listen to Unfound and give this program a five-star review. I thank you for listening. I'm Ed Denzel, and you've been listening to Unfound.